Welcome back to the podcast entitled Last Ones at the Bar. We're here to talk about all of the important affairs this week in the sport of boxing. My name is Will Henry, and I'm accompanied by Lavelle Jackson, and our boy Danny is back this week as well. Fellas, to start this week off, um, Danny, I heard you before we began recording this podcast talking about you've been back in the gym, you know, sparring a little bit. For you, how did that sparring session go? And then, Vail, I also want to ask you, have you been um, hitting the bag or anything like that lately? The sparring session went well overall. For, for it be my first time back since, like, June, you know what I mean? It was pretty obvious that I hadn't been shadow boxing like I should have been because uh, my movement was kind of tight. Like I was thinking too much, stuff like that. And so it was a good reminder that I need to, you know, keep shadow boxing even when I'm not actively sparring. But towards the fourth or fifth rounds, even though my my body started to fall off, mentally I started to kind of look better and that kind of carried me. So um, hopefully I, I've started back on that trend where I can stick with it. That way I don't have to, you know, you hate to do, to get good at something and then you kind of fall off. You got to get good all over again. You know what I mean? So. But it was it was good to be back in there. Yeah, myself, uh, I always keep some sort of boxing as part of my workout fitness. Uh, as you know, I, I do uh, partake in weightlifting, jogging, elliptical, things of that nature, just to so I can stay uh, active as I age. You know, so uh, I found a kindred spirit who's more a lot more knowledgeable than I am regarding boxing. So uh, it was certain things that I've learned that you know, last few weeks that uh, didn't know beforehand as far as hitting the speed bag and all that, those things, because of course I don't look at myself as, you know, an athletic guy or, or a guy who can, you know, feel rhythm like that. But I learned that, you know, I can do all those things, you know? So, and, and, and as, a, as a person who's 41 years of age, I have no uh, desire to partake in boxing of any kind or anything like that. I think I'm, I think I lost enough brain cells over the years, but it's nice to have something to, to, you know, keep the mind active. So as you age, you can still stay sharp as far as mind, body, and soul. Yeah, that's what's up, fellas. I'm glad you guys are, you know, actively participating in some capacity. You know me, I try to stay up on my boxing game by playing two or three games a fortnight per week. You know what I mean? So, you know, everybody, you know, does it in a different way. But anyway, uh, speaking of the topics that we got this week, we got about three or four um, fights that we're going to recap, a couple exhibition matches, um, and then we got a kind of a different type of topic that we're going to discuss, you know, the end things. But I think um, since we had so many exhibition matches yesterday, let's start off with an actual fight that counted. And so we're going to start with that Oscar Valdez versus Robson Casacial uh, fight. How did you guys um, think Oscar looked on Friday night? And I'm glad you said you mentioned that uh, we are starting off with fights that counted because this fight, yeah, is a, is a real boxing match, but it sort of don't count too, you know. And we'll get into that later because it's, it's you know it's controversy regarding the the drug testing and all that that stuff. But looking at this fight, you know, you have Oscar Valdez, uh, 29-0. Uh, with 23 knockouts, five foot six, uh, which I think he's a, probably a tad shorter than that. Even when I look at him, a uh, 66 inch reach against Robson Robson uh, Casasayo, with five foot ten, with a 70 inch reach. Uh, he's also undefeated, 16 and 0, with eight knockouts. Uh, now, when I this fight, when I watched the first half of this fight, um, I thought Casasayo was 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 doing really really good. I, I I thought 
after the fifth round, my fourth, fourth or fifth round, I was like, there's no way he's going to lose this fight. I mean, he would have to give this fight up to lose it. And what does he do? He gives this fight up. Like, he gives it right to Oscar Valdez. Now, I, I'm not going to blame it totally on Casasayo because, uh, of course, there, you know, he, he seemed to have some stamina issues. And, of course, Valdez didn't. And that could be a tribute to, you know, how they were making weight and all that stuff. And then there were certain things that happened during that fight that was that was kind of like pushing it into, you could tell they were pushing it into Oscar Valdez's favor and making sure that he wins this fight, even if he did. Uh, like the the uh, the point deduction in the eighth round when, you know, uh, Casaseo was kind of, you know, patting him on the back of the head, you know. And it, of course, it was kind of stiff, but it wasn't a warning and he had a point deducted. But I think in the 11th round when, uh, Valdez blatantly hit him behind the head. He just got a warning. He didn't have any points deducted. And of course, you had the crowd and all that. But looking at scores, it was a unanimous decision that Valdez won uh, on scorecards 117 and 110, which I thought was too wide. And then there was two scorecards, 115 and 112, which is I thought was accurate in what I had. I had uh, Casasayo uh, winning the first five rounds. And then Valdez taking over and winning the rest of the rounds. But I thought that Casasayo, he did a great job of using his length, you know, in, in the first half of the fight, hitting Valdez with, with, with some uh, straight rights and hooks and things of that nature. I mean, it was, he was hitting with, with body shots. He was doing really, really good. And I was kind of disappointed. Uh, he was letting Valdez follow him, you know, around the ring and just tagging him. So, yeah, I was disappointed once um, the fight just started to turn. And it was around the same time where Casasayo start, you know, showboating a little bit. He started waving his hands up and looking over to the crowd whenever Valdez missed. And and, and the, the, the irony of that was this that was actually the turning point of this fight where Valdez just started just coming on and coming on more. And again, we can argue it, you know, it, it could have a lot to do with, as we talked about last week, uh, Valdez uh, failed a drug test for a diuretic that he was using to make weight. And you know what? I don't even blame about as much as I, I blame the WBC for letting this fight happen because now I don't blame Vada because Vada's only job is to Vada's only job is to say, hey, this person failed the drug test. They can't suspend anyone. I don't think it's the it's up to the organization to do that. And I don't blame the promoters. Promoters is just there to make money, but the organizations they're there to regulate. It's like going to work and and, and your boss allow you your boss is going to allow you to do all these things to break the rules. Um, you're only going to do what you're allowed to do. Um, but that said, uh, Casasayo, I'm more disappointed in him because he had the chance to win this fight, and he pretty much gave it away to Valdez on a platter. All he had to do was not hit him in the back of the head and won, like, maybe one or two more rounds. Two more rounds, he would have had this fight. So it was still an entertaining fight. I mean, uh, compared to other fights, it was refreshing to see an actual, you know, boxing match between uh, two boxers. But I don't know. I, I need some time to, to digest and, and see where this goes because I, I just can't believe that WBC is pretty much sticking to this decision. Like, hey, look, you know, about as one, we're not going to do anything about it. It's normally in these type of situations, the win gets changed to a no contest. But that's just me. That's just my thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm going to start off by saying, no, nah, Oscar Valdez, I blame him. He's a slime ball. You know, you can't have any of that type of stuff in your system and then like no that's a it's an ethics type thing that's involved in this this thing too 
You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to be somebody who is trying to get an unfair advantage in a sport when you tapping people on the head like that. So yeah, I wouldn't fall. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call him by his first name, Robson, because of the fact that see when I in predicting this fight. What I looked at was the fact that he typically goes like eight rounds. So I would assume that he would be at his best for those first eight rounds because he's going to be in uncharted territory going into those, like the championship rounds. So that would be expected for him to have a drop off because he hadn't experienced that before. And he's going against the toughest fighter that he's faced at the pro level. Now, as far as him showboating, he's doing that in order to like get a break but at the same time not look like he's really getting beat so he's using that as just a tactic that he's using to kind of fool the judges or fool the crowd and even Valdez to a certain degree so that's how I looked at that situation now I thought the guy the poor guy I feel bad for him in every capacity from the point that they allowed Valdez still to fight for the belt and not allow him to face somebody else for that belt then you you add in the fact that, again, the poor guy had to fight the ref. The commentators were got off. I mean, Valdez's face looked like a meat grinder. And on top of that, you land 141 punches to Valdez's 83, and you lose on a scorecard 117 to 111. And so he wasn't going to win that fight. It, it was no way he was going to win that fight. I'm also disappointed in Andre Ward. After seven rounds, it's no way in the world that he didn't at least win the first like five rounds. They get they tried to give the man a third round because he landed one punch when Robson was just lacing him up with ones, one twos, you know, throughout that round. But then it's like, oh, he landed one shot, so I had to give him the round. Come on, man, that's absurd. And like I say, for Andre Ward to have it 67-66. After seven, he gave him a third, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. That's just straight crazy. And you mentioned the fact that the referee, the man was just, he tapped the dude on the back of the head, and then the referee just going to take a point. Like, that was just absurd, man. And then the other thing, Bradley, it was a slow motion punch that they showed, Valdez throw. And then he ended up, Robson blocked the shot. And so Bradley was like, no, it landed a little bit. And I'm like, come on, man. I, like, that was really some good defense. Like, just keep it honest. Be real about this. But anyway, throughout the fight, what I saw early on, um, my man from Brazil, he was jabbing effectively. He was using that long reach, that long one-two. He was going upstairs, downstairs, hitting him with uppercuts. He was dictating the pace. He was changing the levels of his shots. Always had something for Valdez when he came in through the first five rounds. Now, I thought that some of those rounds were close towards the end, like the 10 and 11 were close. But at the very least, I thought I saw maybe a draw at the very least. But it definitely wasn't a 117, 111. Like, that just crazy. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty much all I have for the fight. Uh, hopefully, either the guy gets a rematch or he gets a chance to fight, you know, some of those other top-level guys at 130. Yeah, I had it 114, 113 myself. Like you guys said, it was a very odd point deduction for that quote-unquote rabbit punch in that round, especially after Valdez did that, had a more flagrant one a round or two later and the ref didn't bat an eye. 
that was very weird to me. You guys pretty much covered everything there is to cover. I'll just say that like the odds were stacked against Kansei Sao. And with that in mind, um, I didn't mind the showboating at the beginning. And even if you're using it to your advantage in a sense of like hyping up the crowd or or uh, which was pro as anyway, because it was in his hometown or if you're using it to to rest up. But it seems like he had completely bought into that. Like it, it was almost like in the fourth round, cool, but it was almost like he felt like he had to fight one already to the point where he's like yelling in, in Valdez's face at the end of the fight. And he pretty much gave away the 12th round. And I genuinely didn't understand that. You know, he won the gold medal in 2016, great. But, you know, he hadn't been, he had been kind of biding his time since then. And then he gets his title shot. And granted, you know, Valdez did what he did, but that's besides the point. You know, you can only, he, he chose to continue to take the fight after that. And so he has a title shot for the first time in his career. He boxes very well in the beginning. And then he just kind of like gave the fight away, like you said, Bill. And, you know, I just don't understand the, the lack of sportsmanship towards the end. And now I do think he's a good boxer and I would like to see him get better fights after this. But, you know, I just didn't like the last half of that fight, the way he fought it at all. And um, I hope he does not go back into obscurity. But if he did, this was his chance to really look good for the entire 12 rounds. And, you know, he's 32, so it's still a little bit of time. But I hope he gets his head on I'm not going to say I get his head on straight, but I hope he, when he gets the opportunity, he is more strategic about that. And, you know, in terms of all this, he kind of walks away with this got free and uh, moving forward. He made the, he made the call out for the fight that we all want to see, which was the, the winner of Shakur Stevenson versus Jamel Herring coming up. And I do hope that next fight takes place because, you know, everybody wants to see it. Anybody else have anything on that? I just think the dude should be suspended, man. Like that's come on, dog. Like you, you just, in the sport, that's just uncalled for for you to be testing positive and then not having any type of ramifications for that. And again, I don't have a problem with pretty much anything um, Robson did. Now you could, you know, argue the fact that he gave the fight away because he was doing such a good job early. But again, I can kind of understand it. Uh, to a certain degree, because just based on how he performed before, that you knew that it was going to get kind of tough towards the end. And if he would have stayed in there and trying to do the same thing he was doing before, then that was one of those left hooks probably would have got him out of there because he would have been taking more punishment because he started to slow down. And that's one thing. But as far as I can't let Valdez off the hook for putting that whatever that was in his body. You know what I mean? And then the other thing about Conceicao, I can't be upset with him. See, I can see if we're just talking about a guy who maybe just a person who grew up middle class or whatever, he this dude grew up dirt poor. How how am I going to not accept the opportunity to try to fight Valdez, even though he they just put him in a situation where he, it was a no he couldn't back out. Like, he back out, then how is he going to support himself the way he wants to support himself? This is a, a great opportunity, but at the same time, it's kind of messed up that you have to fight this dude who was using a performance-enhancing drug based on what the WBC kind of puts you in a situation to do. Like, that's the thing that I'm saying. And, like, I feel like 
the way you guys are, are approaching it as if, well, you decide to get in the ring. Well, what other measure could he have taken? You know what I mean? Being in this situation, being in this background, where they were saying how he had to go to the hospital and fake like he was hurt in order for his um, trainer to be able to give him some gauze in order to wrap his hands, you know, things like that. And so the fact that he comes from such poverty, they just put him in a bad predicament, you know, from the start. And they didn't punish a guy who should have been punished for using performance enhancing drugs. But that's all I got. Yeah, I understand. It's not like it's not like I'm saying that we should point that that Casasayo did something wrong or anything like that. Or of course he should take the fight because yeah, yeah, in that situation, that payday is not going to just show up out of anywhere. And he probably was a guy that people were going to avoid anyway. Um, but at the same time, I felt like this was a fight. Even even as the eighth round fighter, he did. This was the fight he could have won if he won the sixth, seventh, and eighth round. Like he would have won the fight. And, and and of course, on two of those scorecards, it was one fifty to one twelve. That's just a round or two. It's a round from a draw, and like maybe two rounds from a win. You know, and it, it, it was situations, it wasn't like he was getting beat up or anything or about as just putting it on him. So it felt like he just stepped off the gas a little bit. And of course, that's what, you know, as a fighting character, that's probably what he does. But at the same time, if he would just did a little bit more, he would have won this fight, you know. And it's not that I'm coming down on, on Casasai or anything like that. It's just a disappointment from man, you, you 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 almost shut everybody up and proved them wrong and, and, and took Valdez out of, out of there by saying, hey, look, this guy used PEDs and I still, I beat him on PEDs and I beat him as an amateur, you know what I'm saying? I'm better than this guy. But then again, we already saw what happened. We know that Valdez has to, will have trouble with what Casa Style does. Who knows? Maybe there's a rematch, maybe there's not. I don't have an opinion on it being, you know, about uh, as actions i mean why would you want to get in the ring with somebody who's doing that you know the 130 pound picture is very it's, it's looking decent right now he, he doesn't need uh conscious Sahel really doesn't need about as he can fight chris Cobert, he can fight uh stevenson he can fight jamal herring it's other guys that may move up from 126 he can fight gary russell we don't know the fights are out there if he's if he feels he's too Big for 130, he can move up to 135, and his fight's out there too. So, Conscious Asayo, even though he lost the fight, he he gave a, a good enough uh, assessment of himself that that he's still going to be looked at for future fights, even if he doesn't rematch Valdez. To piggyback on that, I'll just add that you know what I mean. Like, what I was really trying to say was he 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 didn't have a choice but to step in the ring. Like you're right, Will, but. You know what I mean? Like when you once you step in the ring, you're not only fighting for that fight, but you're fighting to put yourself on a map for future fights. You know what I mean? And so, you know what I mean? Like people, people now can can paint the narrative that, you know what I mean? Like he's not a good sportsman or whatever for, you know what I mean, for what happened towards the end there at, or whatever narrative that people could paint once you step into the ring as a as a business person, like so somebody trying to market yourself you can't really afford to give away rounds or look like you're giving away rounds for that opportunity or for future opportunities. And you know what I mean? Like I, I do wish him the best. I think he's a very good fighter. And to Vel's point, he does not need Valdez, but I just wish he would have seized the opportunity a little bit more. Cause it was still, even though his odds were stacked to get some, it was still an opportunity. 
No, I feel you. I feel everything that you fellas are saying. And um, I just like, like I say, for him, I'm not so sure that that's going to be the case. Like, for instance, you would think that King Kong Ortiz, after the first Wilder fight, that he would just have opportunities pouring for him to fight other fighters. Somehow, some way, those opportunities weren't granted to him. Um, here is Landy Lara after the Canelo fight. You know, it was it was the opposite. You know what I mean? Like he called out Triple G and all these guys, and he still wasn't afforded those opportunities. So, you know, like coming from that poverty, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I get where he is, you know, like for one, accepted the fight. And then two, it's like after the fight, I can understand the frustration that he may be going through where he's still like taunting dude because he was on performance enhancing drugs. And he beat him before. So he's still trying to antagonize him for putting him in that predicament. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, no, I feel you. Um, anybody else have anything on this one? No, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm flustered because, like I said, I, I'm disappointed myself as well for putting Oscar up in my top 10 after he beat Burchell. And I'm, I don't know what he was doing, what he was putting in his body when he beat Burchell. And I feel bad for Burchell if he was on performance enhancing drugs. Because, like I said, I know he, well, I don't, think it's a possibility that he may not be the fighter that he was before he certainly doesn't have that mystique at 130 that he that he had prior to that fight so like i'm saying just a little bit disappointed and oscar ball did yeah insane you know what i mean like I, i'm pretty sure if if he wasn't i don't remember my top 10 off top but if he wasn't there he was definitely in the honorable mission at least but you know we we made that ranking based on what we saw at the time and we didn't we didn't see a, a field drug test and we saw him look very good against a very game uh Burchell. Burchell's never been in a bad fight and he and and Valdez looked like a top 10 pound for pound fighter in that one so um I don't regret putting him in there but you know what I mean like he he's about to be right back out of there <laughs> that's all that is but that's a that's a now we it's approaching a touchy subject too also because we have we all had Canelo as number one and Canelo did you know, test positive, you know, also, you know, prior to his, I think it was main prior to his, his rematch against uh, Triple G. So we, all those things come into play when we say that. I'm judging strictly off his, uh, off of Valdez's performance. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, do I think it's fair that he got to fight? Nah, but he got to fight and judging off his performance as a boxer, I don't think he's top 10 anymore, but you know, it's it's a myth, it's a mythical list in a way. So it, it it's a moving target. So you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I was disappointed in Canelo as well, right? And then I started thinking about past performances and things like that. Now they've been testing him recently, and I don't know. Maybe he found a way to find something else that enhances his performance. I don't know. It just seemed like he's been getting so much better, and he's so much on top of his game that that's when I started to like, okay, you know, this dude is good. So it's hard to say, you know what I mean? And the reason why I was disappointed in um, Valdez is because, like I said before, I was thinking that I picked Burchell and I picked Burchell because I thought he was just too small. He wouldn't have any power. He wouldn't be able to keep him off. But like I said, he checked all those boxes off with flying colors. That's now that my antennas are up. Is it because of something that you took that helped you deliver on that night? So that that's all it is. So I'm just it's just in the moment, man. You know what I mean? Like it just happened and then but no punishment at all, and they just acting like it didn't happen. You know, that's that's the deal for me. 
I feel you. Well, we're going to go ahead and move forward with these exhibitions. Uh, first up, we had uh, the legend Evander Holyfield, real deal replacing Oscar De La Hoya, who was out because of a positive COVID test versus Victor Belfort. Um, how did you guys have that fight? I mean, there's <laughs> only one way to have it, but what did you guys think of that fight? All right, so we had the legend Evander, real deal, Holyfield coming into this fight. His professional record was 39-6 with 30 KOs against Fitzer uh, Belfort, who was 1-0-1. Holyfield, 58 years old or 56 years old, and before, I believe, is 44, and he's a southpaw. What I saw in this fight, you know, watch, you know, seeing old Holyfield up in there. But it was... Let me start off by saying this. First off, my man Holyfield, when I saw him, he looked like an in-shape 62-year-old pawpaw, you know? So that's how it, it kicked off. And I was like, you know, his trunks wasn't like kind of fitting them right. And so I'm like, this might be a long night. And keep in mind that we all text each other before this. And we were saying that, man, based on the punches that Holyfield was throwing in his little uh, pre-fight workout, we were like, Hopefully, you know, he doesn't get hurt or hopefully he's, he's playing possum. But when I saw him in those trunks looking like a pawpaw, I was like, nah, it's not looking too well for old Holy. So then I noticed that in this fight that he could barely keep his balance. And so once Belfort would like come in, it was like, yo, look down, like what's going on with my, my, my balance? Like, is the floor shaking or something like that? That's why he kept looking down. So I knew it was, it was going on. Uh, not going to answer well for him. And then Belfort, he landed like a two, three punch combo. And then Holyfield, he didn't take it too well. His balance was off a little bit. And then he decided to swing for the fences. He missed. And damn, they landed in the second row. And I'm like, my God, come on, Holy. You know, don't, don't go out like this, man. And so, like I said, his body language is looking horrible. So he got up shortly after Belfort throws two punches that nearly dropped. Oh, that did drop Holyfield. And, you know, so actually he threw two punches that nearly landed that dropped Holyfield. They call it a knockdown. And so um, Holyfield gets up, Belfort pounced on him, and then he landed a few more punches. And then a ref waved the fight off, which to me that resulted in really the best part of the fight because I didn't want to see any more um, action between Holyfield and Belfort. The reason why is that I think Holyfield may have been able to come back and get a victory, you know, like Vince's Holyfield, but at what cost, though? You know what I mean? Like, it's no way in the world that you want to see a 58-year-old um, have to dig deep, you know what I mean, and try to get a victory that way. What type of punishment would he have had to take in order to do so? And then also, like, the physical toll that it would have taken on an older gentleman. The other thing about this fight is that this showed me that they might want to really look into who they put in the ring. Like you don't want to put like an old grandpa in there with like a younger dude that's kind of hasn't had like a lot taken out of him. You know what I mean? Just you don't want to put a, a grandpa in there with anybody really. You know what I mean? Even another grandpa. The the disappointing thing is I was hoping that Holyfield. See the thing is that this loss is obviously you can tell he was embarrassed. But I don't know if that embarrassment is going to have him want to get another fight. Like, and Tyson, 
this might be a perfect opportunity for me to go ahead and get some back. And so I hope that that fight, if they decide to try to do it, that it's not sanctioned anywhere, you know. But the other thing I was hoping that the shame of it all might cause Holyfield to decide to hang him up. But I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But it was just, all in all, it was a sad uh, sight to see. You know what I mean? Holyfield going out like that. And then I'm also disappointed that they gave a 58-year-old 11 days notice before he fought in a fight. You know what I'm saying? So all in all, in all man, it was just a, a sad uh, sight to see last night for me. You raised a good point that I was thinking about myself. I'll get on that in a second. But in terms of the fight itself, I'll just say I feel bad that it played out the way it did. I was moderately excited when it was De La Hoya, but then – I just became straight up worried when Holyfield replaced him because of his age primarily. Um, you, you said it, but we look, he looked as old in the ring as he did warming up and training prior to the fight, and we saw what happened. And then for him to say after the fight that the ref stopped it too quick is like further indication to me that I just don't want to see him do this anymore. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, his ego could make him want to go back in there, but like you said, I hope they don't sanction it. Now, in terms of these styles of fights, these kinds of fights, it points out a potential flaw with, with those to me. Like, they're, they're just such, when it comes to these, like, celebrity kind of fights where you're putting, like, a, a former pro boxer who's, like, maybe out of practice and just getting back in shape, with, you know, through a camp or something like that, there's, like, a very low margin of error with these type of fights. So, like, on one hand, you have, like, actual crew fights, right? So, recently, you saw with Pacquiao and Spence, you know, Spence went out a week before, uh, about 10 days before his eye injury, about the same amount of time that, you know what I mean, um, De La Hoya went out before, you know, with his, with, with COVID. So Spence went out around that same amount of time. They had another champion who was able to step up and, and he actually put off the upset in Ugas. So we had kind of like a, in a sense, a one-on-one replacement, sort of, you know what I mean? But you can't do that with these types of fights because they're not, the people that they put into the ring are not as easily replaceable. So, like, what would have happened, for example, if Jake Paul or Woodley would have had to pull out a few weeks prior? You know what I mean? We saw a glimpse of what, what can happen with that last night. There, there simply wasn't many former fighters with the big name value of De La Hoya who you can call on when De La Hoya was out that are still in shape like that. And as you can see, Holyfield clearly wasn't in shape like that. But you know, they're just not, it, it just points out kind of like a potential flaw with those kind of fights when you try to put those on and the people are kind of irreplaceable because of the archetype that you're putting in the ring. And it's not really a fix for it either. Not one that I can see at least, but yeah, I mean, respect to Belfort. He did, he went in there and did what he had to do. Um, that's all I got. Now this fight, it was almost like the, we talked about it last week. So a week later, it's almost like a the death of the Nostalgia. And I say that because as a last re replacement, I was holding on like, man, Randall Holyfield, he's in shape. You know, he's 58 years old, but he's not going to quit. And some of those things is, is true. Like, he's not going to quit. Uh, but seeing, of course, the training video and then him in the ring, I mean, father time is, is, is definitely done. Like, it's over for him. He shouldn't be in the ring in these type of fights. Uh, his jab was very, very, very slow. I mean, I, I thought he maybe he was, you know, trying to, you know, get his gauges range a uh, uh, Vitor Belfort, but really that jab was really, really slow. And if this was any other type of fight, 
I would even say that th- th- this would be an early, considered an early stoppage. But in this fight, like you said, Danny, I was almost relieved that it happened, you know, because it, it was just like, we we know that the Banner Hoodfield is not, not going to quit. I mean, we've seen his fights. We know what type of person. He's more of a, 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 a character type fighter than an actual physical fighter. And what I mean by that is, his character is what does the fighting for him. He he's known as someone who, who's going to give his all 100 every time, even if he has to almost die in a ring. And and someone like that, you have to save from themselves. And when, when I look at these type of fights that that these exhibition fights, where have you or thriller, because because this wasn't considered, really considered an exhibition to an extent. When when we look at these type of fights, it's like what type of length are they willing to go to for our entertainment? You know. I we made the comparison with the, the Pacquiao Spence fight being canceled and, and uh Ugas stepping in there. But Ugas, number one, is a you know, he's a in his prime fighter who is active, and number two, he was already training for a fight to be on the exact same card versus Banner Holyfield. Of course, he, he might have been training just to stay in shape, but he wasn't he probably wasn't in the ring, you know, taking punches. I don't think I'm not sure, but it, it was just different. It, it's just a different type of feel, and it's like at what cost costs are they going to go for this for our entertainment? I mean, are we going to wait until someone gets hurt before? Because what's going to happen once someone gets hurt, they're not going to blame. They're not, the, the majority of blame, yeah, Triller might get some blame or these exhibition fights might get some blame. But overall, they're going to blame boxing, boxing in general. That's what they're going to blame if someone gets hurt. When you look at this whole event, it didn't really, while it was a boxing event, it didn't seem like a boxing event. When you listen to, you know, how some of the fights were commentated, you know, how the, some of the fights were, even the, 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 the way the ring looked, it looked more like an MMA fight without the ruse than a boxing match. But, you know, props to uh, Vitor Belfort. He did what he had to do. He was in, in, a, in, a, in a tough spot because it's like, I'm not fighting De La Hoya, now I'm fighting Vander Holyfield, and it's like, what do you do? He's in the ring, you know, Vander Holyfield's in the ring trying to take your head off, so he did what he had to do, but when it comes to these promotions, it's like, at what cost are they willing to go for this? So moving along, they had, it was another fight on this this car, it was the the co-main event. We had uh, Anderson Spider Silva against, versus uh, Tito Ortiz, which they both are our um, UFC legends that I, I used to watch maybe 10 to 15 years ago. What do you guys think when you saw this fight? Yeah, two legends in the ring. Um, in, in a boxing sense, Silva is now three and one with two knockouts in his boxing career. Ortiz is now zero and one. They're both 46 years old. Silva scored the knockout with 40 seconds left in the first round. Uh, he was already showing his boxing chops earlier in that round, I thought, by exercising good head movement. Uh, one of the commentators pointed out how much head movement is an adjustment for former MMA fighters because as an MMA fighter, you can catch a knee or something in the face of that nature when you move your head that way. But at any rate, uh, Ortiz had, um, at, at this point in the fight in the first round, Ortiz had kind of backed Silva into the corner, uh, but he just wasn't landing. And then Silva turned him, again, showing some boxing chops by, by turning him out of the corner. And he caught him with a short right hand and put him down with two lefts, and he was out of there. Now, um, for what it's worth, Ortiz did say that he had to drop 40 pounds in four weeks in order to make weight. So it's possible that he was weight drained, but but based on that, I'm not sure if Ortiz is going to want to continue to do this or see what he can do while training at his current weight. 
Um, he did have an air of embarrassment at the end of the fight, so that could fuel him to come back. I don't know. Uh, but Silva did look good in the second fight in a row. I'm not sure what his plans for the future are, but um, that was that. That was a fight. That's all I really got on that. It's interesting because there always was talk of Anderson Silva versus Roy Jones Jr., which is an interesting fight. Of course, I, you know, I would have Roy, predict Roy to win that fight. But Anderson Silva always looked at as kind of in, in the, the Roy Jones of the UFC. I mean, if you've seen him, you know, at his peak, he was a guy who relied very much on his reflexes and movements and stuff like that. And he was, a, he, you know, he's kind of an athletic freak until you know, he ended up getting caught in the same way that Roy Jones did when those reflex kind of slipped a little bit as we start getting caught. So in this fight, um, it was all—it was funny because Tito, Tito Ortiz was making Anderson Silva almost look like Roy Jones, how how Silva was, you know, ducking and weaving and bobbing and, and Ortiz couldn't really get the drop on him. And I'm not sure, maybe Ortiz was way drained, but when I was looking at that fight, what happened, it was more so he was, you know, just throwing punches, throwing cautious to win, trying to catch Silva, and he couldn't really get the drop on him. And Silva caught him right on the side of the head with a, a southpaw right hook and just, just caught him cold, you know, and put him out. And it was all she wrote. It wasn't much much there. But, but it was funny how even though this was a boxing match, the rhythm went. The rhythm was almost like a UFC match. Like I, I could, I could tell that was more for UFC crowd, like an MMA crowd. Because as soon as he got caught with it, 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 it was something in there that I, I just knew it was more of an MMA crowd. But this is funny because this was actually one of the highlights of last night of, of the fights last night. Watching you know Silva, you know knock out Ortiz. But Anderson Silva, to his credit, he does have more boxing experience. He had you know a short career as a boxer. I mean, you could tell he trained in boxing more than Tito Ortiz probably did, but who knows where they go from here. Yeah. I like what I saw to the spider, man. Spider been looking good. You know, he looked, he looked very um, smooth against um, Chavez jr. And then in this fight as well, he looked really superb, especially defensively where he was weaving those shots um, that Ortiz was, was throwing at him. Although Ortiz was was slow as molasses, you know, it was like his shots were very reminiscent of how uh, Fred Sanford, you know what I'm saying? Like when he flailed those shots when he get upset, you know, it was, it was like those caliber shots. But even though, you know, he looked so slow and, and, and uh, methodical, I still think Silva has a really good defense because he showed that against uh, Chavez Jr. in his last fight as well. Um, I'm not going to say too much more because you guys recapped the fight. It wasn't much to recap outside of, you know, the fact that, you know, Ortiz was throwing those shots on the ropes and then he was bobbing and weaving, slipped underneath, and then he caught him with that. I think it was a right hand at first and then he hit him with a couple lefts that didn't help. Um, and then it was that was all she wrote. Now, as far as moving forward, I think that he – I don't know. I don't know if, if it was, like, really – the interpretation that but Silva's talking more English now than I've ever seen him. He used to talk with an interpreter, but now he's, you know, actually speaking himself and answering questions in English. So when she was asking him, was this his last fight or something like that? And he was saying, yes, I don't know if he actually meant that or if he plans to fight on looking the way he's looking. I hope he doesn't retire because there's still, you know, things on the plate for him you know, to take advantage of. I would like to see, like you said, you mentioned the Roy Jones fight. You know, you got the Jake Paul 
you know, situation out there. But I think he's 45, but he looks so good, and he looks so fluid that <clears throat> I would like to see him fight on. Um, and I know that he said that he's not going to take the bell for rematch because he, he knocked Belfort out with that kick um, several years back when they fought in a highly anticipated UFC match. But it's just, like I said, he's so fluid out there. He just knows what he's doing in the ring. He's one of the few UFC guys that I see that I think that if he really, like, focused in on boxing, he really could have been, you know, a problem out there. And so we shall see. Anything else you guys have on that Anderson Spider Silva versus Tito Ortiz fight last night? No, sir. Sir. All right. So I think we're going to end things. Um, you fellas wanted to discuss actual fights that go on box rec, you know, and you were talking about some fights that you wanted to see. You know, we don't have to put a number out there. What are some fights that have not happened yet that you really, really um, want to see happen? Oh, man. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to mix it up a little bit, put in some my wish list, too, along with some fights that's happening. Of course, uh, this fall, uh, we have the Canelo, uh, Canelo Alvarez versus Caleb Plant. I believe it's in November. That's a fight. I believe it's November 6th. That's a fight that I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. I, I see a lot of people not giving Plant much of a chance, but I think Plant is going to make it interesting. Uh, and then, of course, we have, excuse me, we have uh, a possible fight that's still in purse bid negotiation against uh, for Terrence Crawford versus uh, Sean Porter. Uh, and that fight is, is looking to be, if they make it, it's looking to be in November also. But moving along, the, the next few fights that that's on my wish list involve these fights and some and somewhat in some fashion the winner of these fights. Of course, the Caleb Plant uh, Canelo fight. I'm looking at matching up the winner. What I would like to see is David Benavidez versus the winner. And in some cases, I think even the loser would be a good fight uh, against David Benavidez. But from an optimistic standpoint, I like to see him uh, face the winner. And then when I look at uh, Terrence Crawford versus uh, Sean Porter, uh, maybe the winner should fight Errol Spence. I think, think of course, we've all been waiting for Crawford versus Spence. But even if uh, Sean Porter wins that fight with uh, Terrence Crawford, that, uh, a Spence versus uh, Sean Porter rematch is, is still an underrated fight. It gets forgotten how close they're in entertaining their first fight was and, and you, you can never uh, count Sean Porter out of that fight and then moving along with that of course we have the, the lightweight division none of those fights have been made and I want and, and of course we always we used to talk about this uh maybe a year ago how hot that division is but it, it, it's sad that a lot of those fights aren't getting made when you consider you know Devin Haney you have Tank Davis who was moving between 135 and 140 right now I think he's left 130 and probably doesn't plan to go back there again. Uh, so you have him around the 135, 140 landscape. And then you have Ryan Garcia, and who's going to be looking to come back from his the issues that he was facing. And then you have uh, Teofimo Lopez, all at lightweight. And, and it's time these, for these guys to mix it up, especially when you consider that, you know, Tommy Hearns was 22 when he faced Sugar Ray Leonard, who was 25. So I don't think you should be an excuse. They should let these guys fight. And then at 130, you have uh, guys like Chris Colbert, uh, Shakur, Shakur Stevenson. We already talked about Oscar Valdez, but then we have um, Jamal Herring. And now we got Robson Kashisayo, you know, all there. 
and any, any mix of, uh, of those fights would be entertaining. So boxing is, 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 is interesting. It has potential. But the, again, we have to, I have to you know, reiterate, the fights have to be made. The fights have to be made. They're there, but the fights just have to be made. Yeah, uh, and that's the problem. And so um, when we discuss this, it just, it gets, again, and I hate, again, I feel like I'm the grumpy old man on this episode because just even this topic, it's like, it's hard to get excited about it because you have so many fights that have not happened. And like I said, I think it, it, it leads to like the De La Hoya's re-entering the ring. It leads to the Mike Tyson entering the ring. It leads to the Roy Jones coming back. It leads to um, Evander Holyfield fighting on 11 days notice, you know, and people being interested and excited to see those names because those guys, all of the guys that I've mentioned, you know, they weren't wanted to fight the best. They wanted to be the best, you know what I mean? And that's what hardcore boxing fans always wanted and always want. They want somebody with that hunger, that passion, who's going to put it all on the line. And those are the guys that are coming back entering into the ring. We, you know, we can sit here and talk about what it is that we want to see and what we're clamoring for, but we still have so many years of Joshua and Wilder not fighting each other. We've had years of Canelo not facing um, the Charlos and the Andres. We've had years of um, now it's been a year since these 135 pound fighters all are near each other and are not facing each other. They're finding other people to face. And But the problem with that also is the younger fan base is okay with it. You know, they don't mind seeing the Tank Davis fight against the Mario Barrios as opposed to one of the other 135 pound fighters. And, 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 and it's disappointing too, because they'll look and they'll say, well, Devin Haney, he doesn't have any power. He, 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 well, somebody get in there and beat him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's cool and everything. That's his fighting style. That's what, that's the attributes that he brings to the table. So, you know, I don't want to see Lomachenko sit up there and avoid him and get rewarded for avoiding him. That's disheartening. You've had years of the welterweights. We've been talking about Terrence Crawford and uh, my main man, True Spence, so many times. And then you hear them get on interviews and say, I don't have to fight him, or he's on this other side of the street. I'm like, man, I've never heard, like, Sugar Ray Leonard say that about Tommy Hearns, bro. I never heard uh, um, Marvin Hagler say that about any of the guys that he wanted to face. That was not going to be an obstacle. You know what I mean? You wasn't going to create that give me that smoke that's what i want you know what i'm saying and then once i get that guy that's gonna make me even more of the guy that everybody else wants to see you know what i mean so it's disheartening now as far as the list that i compiled i got and it's in no particular order you know what i mean i still want to see and again these fights are starting to get stale though too because at the time that you want to see them it's like you know, they got to strike when the iron's hot. But I still want to see better be of and Bibble, although better be of is starting to look very, very long in the tooth. <laughs> I still want to see Canelo and Charlo at some point. I still want to see Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Um, I would like to see um, Ortiz versus Dillian White. I want to see Benavides versus Plant. I want to see the rematch of Castaño and Charlo. Hopefully these young guys don't avoid each other. And pretty soon I want to see Boots Ennis versus Virgil Ortiz. I would love to see the Colbert versus Stevenson fight. 
hopefully the Laura versus uh, Warrington fight is made. We all already are going to have in October Francisco Estrada, him and Chocolatito. So I'm looking forward to that fight. You can put <clears throat> any of the 135 pound guys in there, and I would love to see them mix it up. The Lopez, the um, Ryan Garcia, the Tank Davis, the Devin Haney's, any mix and match of those guys, I would love to see those fights. And then lastly, Terrence Bud Crawford. Um, like you said, they are talking about the Porter fight at this point um, in time. Um, I really, I would settle for Terrence Crawford fighting somebody with a pulse. You know, if he doesn't take the Porter fight and stop fighting these guys with one leg, these older elder statesmen, you know, picking on guys who's 10 years out of their prime, you know what I mean? They might as well put Terrence Crawford on one of these exhibitions because he's fighting the type of caliber opponents, you know, as well. And then also the last thing I'm gonna say is this, is that I wouldn't mind seeing Amir Khan versus Kale Brook. Both of those guys are past it. And I think that they've just passed it enough that it'll be a 50-50 fight. So that's my list. All right. So you guys made some good ones. So there's going to be some overlap. Um, now, as for the fights that are coming up that are already named, um, I think Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk is going to be a good one. In my preview for this match, I mentioned that a lot of it is going to depend on the size they both come into. And so it appears that AJ has been losing weight and taking a similar approach he took when he fought Joseph Parker, whereas Usyk been gaining weight to fill into his heavyweight body. So I think it could be like a, a, a legit like boxing match, not just like some kind of slugfest, but they both going to come in in shape. Um, AJ's going to be lying on his feet, so I think it's going to be a very good fight. You've already said it, but uh, Canelo and Plant. Uh, Plant is starting to take on somewhat of a heel role. He's doing more talking than I'm used to hearing from him coming into a fight. But then on top of that, this is going to be uh, the first time there's ever been an undisputed super middleweight champ. So that's going to be exciting for sure. Um, a few fights that have not been made yet. Even though, you know, Will, you talked about it and, you know, a lot of these fights don't get made. Um, I've tried to put together a list of like my top three that I think is at least in the ballpark of realistic. Uh, one of those I would love to see uh, Tank Davis and Regis Progray. Now, Progray, we, we all know that Tank likes to stay in-house. And Pro, all that Progray is not currently signed to PBC. Um, his last fight, fight was on Triller against Red Cash. But he's fought under PBC before, and I don't see why he wouldn't do it again to take this fight. Only problem is, I don't think there's no way that maybe let this happen. But these are the type of names that Tank is going to have to start putting on his resume. And there already kind of seems to be like some bad blood between them. So I think this would be a good build up to an excellent fight at 140. But maybe the winner facing like a Josh Taylor. Um, now, Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia, I think that, and, you know, Vail, you said it already, but it's time for these young guns at lightweight to start actually fighting each other. And this is a good start. Um, at one point, Ryan Garcia was Haney's mandatory, but that didn't happen. And it's also kind of dicey because Golden Boy might actually be leaving the zone at the end of the year. But as it stands, you know, I mean, Garcia was he took some time away from boxing, but he's training again. Golden Boy would probably say something like they want to tune up for Garcia first. But Garcia last fought in January. So it wasn't that long ago. He's still super young. And they both, as it stands right now, they both 
are signed to promotion companies who fight on the zone. And in theory, it should be a relatively easy fight to make. The last fight that uh, I would love to see um, out of the many fights that I'm not going to name, but I would love to see that Inui versus Donair rematch. The first one was very exciting. Donair pushed Inui to his limits. And, and now there's a, and, and they unified in that fight. And now there's an opportunity for the winner to unify again. From hearing Donair talk, he's been super focused on getting his fight again. And Inui is frankly kind of running out of people to fight at that weight class. And I mean, you have Casemiro there who has a belt, but I'm biased because I, I really would like to see a rematch before I would like to see Casemiro fight either of these guys. So um, those are my three. I think they could happen. Well, they do happen. You know, is anybody's guess? Yeah, I got a quick question for you, fellas. Um, you mentioned uh, Joshua versus uh, Alexander Usyk fight that's going to be taking place in about two weeks from now. And you also stated that you think that or you see that Joshua is trimming down for this fight. So he might be, hopefully for him, he'll be a little bit more fluid. And, you know, it'll help his stamina, I'm assuming, that that's what he's trying to do. And that you alluded to the fact that Usyk is bulking up a little bit. And I'm sure he wants to be able to, you know, grapple a little bit with Joshua at certain times. But being the fact that both guys are um, – you utilizing those type of tactics going into this fight, who do you think that benefits? Uh, so I guess the short answer, if I, had to, if I had to narrow it down, would be AJ, I think. Because the thing with, with Usyk bulking up, um, like I showed y'all that picture, I think, a while ago, but from, from him and back in like late May, he looked like he, like he had some unnecessary weight on him. You know what I mean? And so um, I haven't seen any pictures of him recently, but it also bears the question, how much is he willing to, is he looking to bulk up exactly? Because um, AJ is looking, he's looking slim and trim. But I also think that Usyk is a better boxer. It's just a matter of, did he bulk up too much? It's almost made me think that maybe he was better off just sticking to the same size that he stuck to when he fought uh, Chisora. But also, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's so many, it's a lot of variables that go into it. But the short answer is I think it's going to favor AJ. But we'll see. I think it favors AJ a little more because... He already he already suffered from, I think his size was was detracting from his style versus Usyk, where I don't think uh, being light when he was in comparison to Joshua, I don't think Usyk being light distracted from his style too much. It made him add to his style. I think uh, AJ was more stiff when he when he walked in heavier, looking like a bodybuilder and all that, putting on all this muscle. I think he suffered from that more than it helped him because his power is pretty much the same. You know, it's if that, I mean, if his power decreases, it won't decrease by that, decrease by that much uh, when he comes in uh, lighter. Now, I'm not saying he should come in like 212 or anything like that, but I think coming in lighter to, to where he, he did earlier in his career when he was more, I'll say more dominant, I think that's that's more so key. And I think Usyk isn't the type of fighter. I can understand if he was someone who was really, really draining to make uh, cruiserweight number one or one of those just short athletic guys who are, who are already like muscular like like a I'll say and I'll give a comparison like a Canelo or a Pacquiao who they're not really putting on bulk they're putting on it's more so them filling out more and putting on muscle I don't think Usyk is like that or like even like when Bernard Hopkins jumped uh, up to light heavyweight to face Antonio Tarver how he was he was making sure that he wasn't 
you know, putting on any type of like just bulk, but he was actually doing it uh, gradually and, and, and putting it on the right way. So, but who knows? I mean, this is all this is all prediction, but I think putting on bulk for Usyk, it, it's just making him like uh, Alexander Povekin or maybe a Chris Bird, you know, someone who probably shouldn't be fighting at heavyweight. But we'll see when that fight happens. Yeah, we'll definitely see. Yeah, I just I was checking to see what you guys' perspective was on that because I can see it both ways as far as Joshua. I just I think that with him and most of his fights that I've seen, there's a certain period of time where he kind of um, fatigues, he gasses a little bit, and then he typically gets a second win. I think if Usyk can make it around that fifth, sixth round, I think things would be interesting because I think that, like I said, he's such a winner. He got he's such an animal that he's going to do whatever it is he thinks he has to do to win. And I think that if it comes to it and he has to press the issue to get the Joshua, I think that he would do that if that's the route to victory. Um, and as far as Joshua trimming down, it depends on how much he's trimming down too. If he's around 241, 240, that might be okay. Um, but I'm just, I hope that he doesn't overtrain because he already has chin issues. And if, Usyk is able to touch that chin enough. I don't care, you know, I know he's not the biggest puncher, especially a heavyweight, but if you tap that chin enough, somebody who doesn't have the best chin in the world, you know, it can cause some damage. But like you said, we'll see. Anything else you guys have before we wrap things up? No, sir. That's all I got, brother. Uh, that's, that's what's up. You know, glad to have everybody back, you know, talking about this boxing. Next week, we got to figure out some things, fellas, because, you know, it's looking like next week is not much going on in the world of boxing um but we'll figure things out as far as this episode hopefully everybody enjoyed it um i appreciate the great discussion and dialogue that we had and um you all enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch you the next time peace peace peace